You've got a funny intro. We don't really have to like, right? I've heard it. Oh, I know, I know. But usually how when I do it in post, I usually have us like right in the middle of a conversation. Oh, okay. That's where I start. I usually start it right in the middle of a conversation. Okay. It's kind of like, what is that called? Like kind of like a – In media uh, res. Uh, Del Art. In yeah, media res. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like, all right, we're already – like, We're already into people it. tune in, we're already into it. It's like – and it leaves them thinking – what 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 were they talking about before? Okay, so we should we go back to our conversation? What, what did I miss out? But they're 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 already up to speed. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, uh, welcome welcome back, people. We've been off for a little bit. Uh, welcome back to our podcast, Comedy History One Hundred and One, where we talk about uh, the history of comedy. I am Harmon Leon, and with me is... Hello, I am Scott Kalonico. I am not a robot from Edinburgh. <laughs> but if you were a robot from Edinburgh, I'd would be you talk in a robot that, voice? Yeah, that was kind of Or a you'd ha- be like West Westworld robot. Oh, like the it's new kind of one. like a hack robot? The new one, yeah. No, yeah. I haven't seen any of that one. Oh, What's my. that? Are they crossing the line? Oh, oh, yeah. Whoa, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which brings us to uh, uh, our topic today is comedy that crosses the line. Buh, buh, buh. So as of late, uh, there have been a few notable comedians that in in that have gotten skewered over crossing the line. They they have taken comedy too far. Too far. Or, they they or they they weren't doing comedy to begin with <laughs> that's why they couldn't defend their actions no, you know? no so it, then... which is a fine line um so I, let me start can i start sure. with a george carlin quote go ahead uh george carlin said i think it's the duty of the comedian to find out where the line is drawn and cross it deliberately says yes. george carlin i'm i'm behind that i can i can endorse that statement 100 percent yeah, I mean, I think there there are times. Well, I think, I mean, we'll we'll get into this further, but there are times where, yeah, it's good to cross the line if you're trying to make, say, social change. But then, the bad cross the line again when you're not following the general rule of comedy, which is uh, punch up, not punch down. And when you're crossing the line and you're punching down, then uh, you know, again, that's. The, the difference between uh, comedy and tragedy. So it's right. like uh, comedy is punching up, tragedy is punching down. So uh, we will dive into this more. But um, so when I say the words Kathy Griffin, what, what, what comes to mind of recent? <laughs> Un- unfunny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah. it caused an uproar as like if you – okay, so if you haven't been on the planet, the planet okay. Earth. Yes. For like the last month or two months ago, where whenever that came out, right. uh, she got a little uproar when uh, I think it was like, was it just specifically a, a photo shoot aimed towards Instagram? I, I don't I don't remember exactly what the photo shoot was for, but she was she taking she was taking a bunch of pictures with the that. Yeah. So she posted a picture of her holding up a uh, bloody severed Trump head, <laughs> and and she has like this kind of deadpan look on her face uh and uh um, i think her attempt was she was gonna be she was being edgy yeah that was the thing the edgy comedy yeah yeah the edgy comedy. <laughs> i'm gonna i'm yeah. gonna i'm gonna look at that just to remind me about that okay keep keep talking yeah so uh needless to say uh that caused quite an uproar when uh you have a president's bloody severed head and you're <laughs> holding it um, uh, it caused such an uproar that uh, I think within a day she held this like crying press conference. There's a bunch of old white guys trying to silence me, and I'm just here to say that's wrong. And just going, uh, you know, Donald Trump is trying to destroy me. You know, she's like Kathy Griffin, like yeah. co host the uh, New Year's Eve thing with Anderson Cooper. The D list. And. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So her, her, uh, 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 like in the press conference, she said, uh, "I, I am a comic. 
I crossed the line, I moved the line, then I crossed it, I went way too far. Yeah. <laughs> but the whole point is, like, well, first of all, I think what was really, it wasn't offensive to me that it's a, a, a severed Trump head. I think it was it was offensive to me as a comedian that uh, it, it's just like, if you knew what you're doing, and, you, and again, it's you know what kind of reaction you're going to get, at least be able to defend your action. Just don't, like, cry on a press conference and just say, I, I am so sorry. Trump's trying to destroy me. You broke me. Yeah, I mean it, it's yeah, because like you know, I've I've been following her for a while, man. I think she's um, okay. I've, I have laughed at some of her stuff, you know, but I think she's mm-hmm. also kind of the comedian where like she really she enjoys the being famous part of it, you know. And so I right. feel like this was like something where she she was gonna do something just to you know cause an outrage, and it did. And so now it's like okay, oh wow, you know. Because she'll, she, that's her theme. Her thing is saying outrageous stuff and doing outrageous things, and it's kind of interesting to see when it finally everybody goes, mm-hmm. "Yep, no, you cross the line, dude. That was too, that was too outrageous." And then for somebody to yeah, go, well, "Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah," to kind of give in and just go, "Yeah, you're right, it was." Yeah, I mean, just I mean, first of all, just like what were you thinking? I mean, it's just like again, it's. Uh, and we'll talk about this later. It wasn't like Kramer from Seinfeld suddenly just snapping at hecklers and and and, and uh, you know using racist words. She, she, she booked a studio to do a photo shoot. Mm-hmm. They had to create the props. Yeah. <laughs> she she hired a photographer. Yeah, and, so- and it's like you know, it's just like at what point. Uh, do you think, uh, oh, yeah, this is going to make me all edgy? Yeah, I know. This is and like... you just, and then, and then the next thing you're just like crying in a, in a press conference. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. So, so somebody, at one point, somebody was painting blood onto a, a fake dismembered yeah. Trump head. <laughs> and like, you know, they yeah, had, the props department. Yeah, they had to go, hmm. <laughs> Nobody just, uh, you know, pulled the brake, the train brake. Yeah. So, and then she comes in like, uh, um, the Trump is trying to destroy me, and she, I think one of her quotes was, "He broke me." Yeah. <laughs> okay. Dude. I, I, again, it's just like if you had a point to make, stick to that point and just go. Um, you know, it might have gone too far, but here is what I was trying to say. You know about you know such and such. Mm-hmm. Totally. And at least defend your actions, you know, right. and not just like it's just completely given to. You know, the whole point is like, you know, again, it's just like kind of just screaming like fire in, in, in a movie theater. You know, you're you're going to get that reaction. Right. Which is I mean, a, what you're, you're holding up a president's head. Yeah, that's you can't with, do with that. blood on it or yell fire in a theater. There was some Supreme Court case about that. Again, do you think is it is it and a and a big thing about like uh, comedy that crosses the line is like when it when it, it succeeds or fails, uh, is there a free speech issue here? Yeah, I mean that's now we're getting into this this. I mean I don't know which I don't know how we're gonna how you're gonna move this along, but yeah, there's lots of stuff that that's, <laughs> that's great to talk about here. I mean it's like uh, one of the links that you sent was was the thing about the Jerry Seinfeld talking about people doing comedy in college campuses now. You know, yeah. where, where you have the whole trigger warning issue. You know? Of like what you can or can't say yeah, like yeah. when you perform at colleges. Right, yeah. yeah. Like you'll have to say, Oh, I'm going to use this this word and this word you know, it's just um yeah, it's just like people are it does seem like people are kind of starting to get a little um yeah, free speech doesn't seem to be quite proliferating the way it used to. Okay, then uh, could you take that argument and say, is that backing up what Donald Trump says, that it's this political correctness gone awry, you know, it's just, everyone's so, I don't have time to be politically correct, which I guess that's free speech as well. But then again, he's a president and not a comedian. Yeah, so that's you deal with something else, and then um, yeah, yeah, like he gets to tweet about transgender people getting kicked out of the military, and then the military saying, "No, hold on, wait a minute," you know. That's I think we're that's a kind of a different area. 
Yeah, exactly. And then so the, the other uh, big uh, uh, comedy that crosses the line was, of course, uh, and this was all in the same week uh, when Bill Maher, uh, you know, used I, I don't even like using the N word because yeah. that's just like in, in itself. <laughs> there should be like another word that implies that because that just puts the word in your head or people's heads, you know. So he used like racist, uh, you know, language on his show. He was trying to make a point, though. That was uh you know, slightly different about like, you know, Jeff Sessions and whatnot. But, uh, you know, point well taken. It's like, you know, again, like ice. Uh, I always get my ices mixed up. Ice Cube. Right. Yeah. Not tea. Right. Was on the, the, the show the next week where it's just like, you know, that's not your word to use. That's, you know, it's yeah. just like every time, you know, an African-American hears it, uh, it, it, it hits like a knife. Because I think it's a lot of guys out there who cross the line because they a little too familiar or they think they too familiar or is guys that you know they might have a black girlfriend or two that made them some kool-aid every now and then and they think they can cross the line and they can't you know it's a word that has been used against us it's like a knife man and you can use it as a weapon or you can use it as a tool it's been used as a weapon against us by white people, and we're not gonna let that happen again by nobody because it's not cool. Mm -hmm. So what? I mean, I don't know. I just, I just, I mean, I understand what they're saying. Obviously, you know, Ice Cube knows what he's talking about more than me. Mm -hmm. um, I just, yeah, yeah but the, it's the whole, the whole thing of here's this one word you can't say, you know. I mean, that word, like, we're not even saying it. You and I are not even saying this word. And, no, you know, I don't now, want me ever to be recorded yes. or, like, on stage or anything. It's gonna be, it's just weird because now you can see people walking around the street wearing, you know, you, mm. they could be wearing a shirt that says fuck on it, right? That's not a yeah. big deal anymore. Whereas right. the other word, you can't you can't even print it, you know? Well, because fuck isn't aimed at a uh, group of people to, like, kind of suppress them. Okay. All right. Uh, you know, going with, like, Ice Cube said is, like, you know, even in the New York clubs, you hear, like, there'll be, like, a white comedian on stage who says, you know, he gives off the attitude, like, I am so, you know, comfortable around other cultures that they'll, you know, use that word on stage. Right. And it's like, again, it's just like, nah, it's not your, <laughs> it's not your place. Even you, you're not that comfortable. But it, it, that's the weird thing is now we're discussing this academically, you know, in a yeah. uh, constructive way, and we're still not saying it. Right. <laughs> you know, which is like that's mm -hmm. taking it out of like I could see not using it in a social context or directing it at someone, but now we're just mm -hmm. talking about the use of the word, and we can't say the word. We're not neither one of us are saying the word because it's right. being recorded. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, even if it's not recorded, I wouldn't say the word. Uh -huh. Even if you were just talking about it. Well, no, no, it's not because it was recorded. Again, I think it's uh, it goes back to why comedy crosses comedy that crosses the line that's not constructive because that's just uh, you know again it's something that's uh, punching down. It's using to suppress uh, people rather than uh, you are punching up at like say the government. You know, mm -hmm. that's, uh, you know, a controlling factor. Uh, you know, it's it, it's, a, a, you know, comedy in the context of like uh, at the expense of like, uh, you know, suppressing, you know, a group of people. Right. But to let, go back to my, my example, though, but as we're mm -hmm. discussing what we're discussing right now, if we were to yeah. say that word, we wouldn't be using it in that context. Right, 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 right. But neither one of us is saying it. I'm not saying it. Okay, that's fine. I'm just I'm making a point. I'm just I'm not saying it either. I'm saying I'm making a point. That's my point. But um I mean if you go back to um um comedy that crosses the line, I mean there's a you know, long history of uh, uh of satire in comedy uh that's intended to cross the line. And and when it crosses the line it's like, you know, again it's like taking on the powers that be, you know, it's it's uh it goes back to like Aristophanes, uh, 
you know, have you read his plays? I think I was, it's like the frogs and the yeah, clouds. Yeah, there was – what was the interesting thing that uh, – because he was like kind of old-timey Greek dude known for his comedy plays. Mm-hmm. What's what's interesting about – I was reading about those. Ah, well, first of all, well done in bringing the readers up to speed or the oh, listeners up to speed thank on you. who Aristophanes is. Yes. I, that, I forgot. I forgot. About it, but old, well, well done. Old thank you. Good You're podcasting. <laughs> old-timey Greek dude. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> We're not going to go too, yeah. too into depth into him. Um, but what was interesting that I, that that I saw in the Wikipedia article, uh, but what was interesting was they talked right. about how like an ancient so it has to be true. Yeah, an ancient Greek play. It was all it was all footnoted. In ancient Greek plays, <laughs> the chorus in a uh, comedy was always bigger than than it was in a tragedy. You know, you'd have the chorus of of people on stage who would kind of be narrating. Yeah, yeah. and then in Aristophanes' plays. He made kind of a point of um, using people in the chorus, known like like prominent businessmen and leaders of the town oh, yeah. in the chorus to make kind of another dab, uh-huh. you know, little cross in the line, pre-cross in the line there. Um, and there apparently there's a lot of yeah. um, turd jokes in this place. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> crossing the line with yeah. turd the olden days. But um, so one of the edgiest stories, and I I, I studied this uh, uh, in 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 a college satire class, is Jonathan Swift's A Modest Proposal, which I think is like probably one of the most uh, like if you have like lineage to the edgy comedy of today, I think it's like uh, you know just a direct link to like Saturday Night Live. Oh yeah, yeah. A modest proposal, mm-hmm. uh, which is um, it was during the famine, the Irish famine, and it was uh, kind of a, a making the argument that uh, people should sell their children to rich people uh, for food, right? As food, you should eat babies. Is basically yeah, what they're that saying. That was the proposal <laughs> of the title. Yeah, mostly specifically Irish babies. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the point being is, uh, like, the point he was trying to make is that uh, rich people actually just don't care about the poor to the point where, uh, you know, that they would actually eat children. Yeah, that's, well. It's just, like, dark, dark humor. Yeah, not too much different nowadays. (laughs) Yeah, and and also the lineage is a direct lineage to uh, uh, the modern day. Well, I wouldn't even say it's modern day because I think it had its run of dead baby jokes which again is like comedy that crosses the line yeah and that was the interesting thing was that apparently because those started making um not a comeback but they first started making their first appearances like in a major way like in the 60s and people have theorized Mm -hmm. that was kind of a a a reaction to like the growing feminism of the time and just like the overall kind of Mm -hmm. freedom that people were were feeling in the 60s so to uh what better way to bottle that all up than to make some dead baby jokes (laughs) (laughs) do you know do you remember i don't understand i mean i sort of understand the connection yeah but I don't understand the connection. Well, I mean, it was all because like, like, what's a what's a good dead baby joke? Like, all right, uh, let's. Oh, okay, you ready? Do you know? Do you remember any? I got one. Yes. What's? Okay. I don't, but I have all Google. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, what's red and goes a hundred miles an hour? A dead baby in a blender. Yeah, exactly. That would be it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, a story I came across recently was um, this Mark Twain story. It's called The United States of Lynchardom. And at the time that Mark Twain wrote it, uh, I think it was like early 1900s, um, he he knew his audience and he knew that it was just way too edgy. And, and it, it only got published like after he uh, passed away. Oh, the lynchdom, yes. Yeah, yeah. So I, the essential takeaway of, you know, again, it's very satirical, but he knew that how his audience would react if he published the story, which was essentially a satire of uh, mob mentality. Um, I just I read this like about a month ago, mm-hmm. uh, the short story. So it's kind of like a, that in, in essence, all people have mob mentality ingrained in them and that uh you know, anyone is of that time was capable of uh, 
you know, being a part of an angry mob. Yeah, I mean, he wanted to, you know, he was more, he was pretty um, aware of his public reputation, so that was something he wanted to not have published until after he was no longer around. I don't, I don't even know if he said, like, publish this when I'm not no longer around. He just knew that it was something of the time mm-hmm. that it, 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 it crossed the line of with his audience. Okay. I mean, obviously he wrote it and had right. the points that he, he wanted to make, but he knew enough that he there would be, like, a public outcry against it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if it was, like, okay, they wouldn't see it at the satirical value or it's just, like, you just don't joke about that or or what but uh he didn't allow it the story to be published okay all right yeah he lived a while man i didn't realize he lived until like the 1900s yeah did you see that ken burns uh two-part documentary on him no uh-uh. is it good um yeah i've only seen part one okay but, uh, yeah right. so you know all right samuel clemens i know he had a big time he had a big bushy mustache he was kind of like a proto hipster yeah, he got to start like uh, writing in San Francisco. That yeah. was like one of his first early uh, gigs. Mark Twain. Yep, yeah. uh, and it's so funny. Is Mark Twain is a steamboat term? Like yeah. Mark the Twain. Right. I forgot what Twain means. It's but like a depth. Might be like rip. Yeah, depths yeah. of river height or yeah. something like that. So he's having some fun with his pen name. Yeah, he was. He was. He was. He was. <laughs> So, you know, I, again, so, um, so like you said, but again, I think this ties into like kind of like early modern days of crossing line because, you know, uh, I, the United States of Lynchardom, he was trying to write that to wrong, not, not, not wrong. He was trying to like, you know, use it as like a tool of social change to, to, to point out this, this kind of mob mentality of people involved in lynch mobs, which, uh, Brings up uh, like our next point of you know comedy can be a powerful tool for social change when it crosses the line, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess the early modern comedian, uh, not modern comedian, but in I guess in modern day stand-up comedy is one man by the name Lenny Bruce. Lenny. He's from New York. What do you know about Lenny Bruce, my friend? I know he he, <clears throat> he got in trouble for being uh, saying the bad words, and then he would go into court and he would read his uh, transcripts in court. Yeah, isn't that <laughs> just fucking crazy that like stand-up comedy would get you arrested? Yeah, like the police, and again, like horrible atmosphere for a comedy club yeah. like when he was playing like in san francisco and stuff like the police would come in and stand on the side of the stage just mm-hmm. waiting for him yeah to say like cocksucker or something yeah. on stage <laughs> and then once he did he would be arrested and then the show's over yeah i mean it's like now now you can walk around with a t-shirt that says fuck on it yeah, yeah. And then I think we talked about this in the first episode of Comedy History 101 of the history of the uh, Improv Comedy Club, where there was another comedian on there. I forgot his name. He was the first uh, comedian to play the improv. And he also would get arrested frequently, like in the late uh, 50s. And, with, and, and the fucked up thing that they would do is, and this also applies to modern day, is they would, they would go to court and then the judge would read their act right yeah <laughs> they would yeah. read like lenny bruce's act without the benefit of a uh, timing mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or stage presence yeah so it's not quite not quite the same thing i do my act at perhaps uh, 11 o'clock at night little do i know that 11 a.m the next morning before the grand jury somewhere is another guy doing my act who's introduced as lenny bruce in substance <laughs> Here he is, Lenny Bruce in substance. A peace officer who is trained for to recognize clear and present dangers, not make believe, does the act. The grand jury watches him work and they go, that stinks. <laughs> but I get busted. And the irony is that I have to go to court and defend his act. Okay, so so in tying that into like modern time is like uh, you hear like outrage over there was a controversy over uh, like Tracy Morgan and Daniel Tosh. Um, so 
Uh, Daniel Tosh, you know, again, it, on paper, it doesn't sound funny. Uh, you know, he, he, he had that big, uh, controversy over making uh, like rape jokes at the laugh factory. And then, uh, Tracy Morgan also had the controversy of doing like kind of this, you know, anti-gay, uh, bit at a comedy club. I forgot what city it was, but the point being is that, uh, people in the audience would just, they would like tweet like what they say or, and, or put on their blog, like transcripts mm-hmm. of like Tracy Morgan's act. So again, it's like almost like a modern day, the judge, uh, you know, reading out the comedy routine where, uh, you know, without the benefit of context or, uh, timing or stage presence, uh, you know, you're, you're getting it, you know, on someone's blog paraphrase. Yeah. But the, um, the um, yeah, but the Daniel Tosh thing was yeah. Wouldn't it pointing out somebody in the audience and just going, wouldn't that be funny if that girl got raped by like five guys now, like right now? That's that. Was, yeah, it sounds that that that's horrible. Yeah, that's not. <laughs> but again, you don't know what. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not defending that. I'm just saying you don't know the whole context of of what happened. I mean. Yeah, it sounds horrible. And again, it goes back to, uh, and I don't want to use the word term punching down and rape <laughs> in the same sentence, but it's like, you know, you, you're, you're making, you, you're not, you're the superior one in that scenario because you're the person on stage and then you're saying to an audience member, you know, you should be raped. Yeah, it's just, I don't know if there's any context you can put that in to make it, you know, I mean, it's just not, yeah, I would say they cross the line in not a good way, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the thing about stand-up comedy is it's a dialogue that takes place with the person on stage and the audience in that moment, you know. So unless you're in that moment, you, yeah, I mean, I'm going 99% on, on you know, that is a horrible thing that shouldn't have been done. But again, you, you just don't know if it's just like you're just reading it on someone's blog rather than you're in the room. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess we can tie this in with the Michael Richards thing too, because I mean, because I just, I think there's, I'm of the the point of view that it's almost like I think when you're on the stage at a comedy club, it should be kind of like a free speech zone, you know? Yeah, I mean, because again, if you start scaling back right. on what, can, I mean, there are countries like uh, like in Turkey they have stand up comedy, but you, there are like things you would be arrested for if you talk about religion politics i mean there's several countries like that where they have comedy and you're just not there's stuff you are told you cannot talk about again oh like i was in cuba i was in havana in january and i did a story on the havana stand-up comedy scene and it's just like yeah 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 you can't do anything about fidel castro or raul castro Mm -hmm. But they actually do it in a clever way. They do make fun of the politics and the political leaders. They do it in a way that where everyone knows what they're talking about without specifically saying it. And again, that is more clever than just, you know, the edge. Look, I'm holding up Trump's head. It's bloody. Yeah. You know, yeah. say, say what you're trying to say in, a, in, a, in, a, in, you know, in a clever sort of way rather than. You know, uh, so there was a while like in, in comedy where the, you know, the, you know, the edgy comedians were the edgy, edgy comedy. Would this be like the, the, with the edgy would this, comedy? Would, would this be like the Dubai comedy yeah, so explosion? Like, yeah, yeah. No, there was like, you know, like guys like, like uh, you know, Jim Jeffries and, 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 and guys in that genre where it was like really edgy for them to make like rape jokes. It was like uh, they're oh, they're. They're so edgy. Everything, nothing is taboo for them. I hate women. (laughs) Women hate me. We hate each other. The only reason I couldn't be gay is because I could never fuck a man. Because I could never fuck something that I respect. (laughs) They, 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 you know, they cross the line in every corner, but is it more clever to say exactly what they're trying to say without blatantly saying it? Because in, in terms, you're just like uh, pushing buttons at that point. Because mm-hmm. you know, and people have such a strong feeling about you know uh, 
you know, something like rape, of course, <laughs> that you bring it up is going to get a strong reaction, and it's just laziness. It's laziness on the part of the comedian. Yeah, well, I mean, that was it's like, laziness to hold up a severed, bloody Trump head. Yeah, I think it was like um, so. This Tosh thing was pretty recent, right? I think it was 2012. Wow, that's weird. Okay, because I was in the well, I was in the states. I was in Washington, and that was 2012. Mm-hmm. Might have been really early 2013. Yeah. And I went to uh, so I I wound up seeing like four comedians in one night, and um, mm-hmm. so I went to like one comedy club and then went to uh, another saw Aziz and Azari that night at the the big mm-hmm. club in in Washington, and like there were like out of the four, it might have been five comedians. Out of like the five comedians, four all made like a rape joke. It was like this weird running thing that you could just see yeah. happening, you know, where it was like everybody was doing it, you know. It was just really odd to see. Yeah, that's again. It goes there's there's that I, like originally we would make fun of the edgy comics where right. it's just you know it's just kind of like I, again it's like. Okay, you're gonna get a reaction. It's right. It's like you haven't put any thought into, you know, the joke or the structure of the joke or saying the unsaid. You'd be just like, bam, here, here it is, bam. You're gonna react, you know. Yeah, I mean, I could see like you know Tosh being in that club and saying that and it getting a reaction out of the audience. You know, I can I can see that happening. Yeah. I mean, was it cool? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, and again, it's just like, uh, you know, I did guess you brought did, up like Michael Richards. Right. Did it cross the line? Did Tr- Tosh no. cross the line? I would say yes there. And not in a good Yeah, way. yeah. I guess yeah. it should be like a game show. Yeah. And the judges <laughs> like, say cross the line. Line crossed or not. Okay, well, we can like uh, we can work on that. All right. But then again, okay, so uh, here here's something interesting. Uh, it, I mean – it's like we see this through 2017 eyes, but like, uh, uh, are you familiar with like Dick Gregory, uh, who started, he's an activist now, but started as a stand-up comedian. Yes. Yes. Back in the sixties, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Just an amazing man. Uh, uh, African American comedian. And like in the sixties, I think he was like one of the first, uh, African American comedians to be like on the Jack Parr show. Mm -hmm. Was that the tonight show of the day? Yeah. That was like the pre and he would do show, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he would do jokes that would, uh, you know, make fun of the Jim Crow laws and and the absurdities of segregation, which is like you're using comedy, you're crossing the line to use comedy as a tool for social change uh, and just kind of, and again, that's the power of like crossing the line when it's done for the benefit of good. I just moved into an all-white neighborhood not too long ago in Chicago, and I didn't have no problems when I moved in because the neighbors that lived on each side of me, they were like out of the country. They were over in London on vacation having a ball, just singing, America the beautiful, going home, going if they only knew what they was coming home to. <laughs> so we got about 11 inches of snow in Chicago, and I grabbed my shovel, went out, started cleaning the snow off my new front, and my neighbors pulled up. She jumped out the car and rushed up to me. She said, hey, boy. She said, you're really doing a wonderful job on these people's front. (laughs) If you only knew. (laughs) She said, yep, I've been living next door here for the last 50 years, and I've never seen this place looking this good in the wintertime. What do you get for doing that? I said, oh, I get to sleep with that woman inside. Yeah, I mean, you're you're opening people. If, if you're laughing and making a point, you're making the point harder because you're it, when you actually get like people to laugh at the point you're trying to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, and so um, Dick Gregory, the other word that we're not saying, I think he can use it. Actually, that was mm-hmm. that was the title of his autobiography. Was just you know that word. Yeah, I think I read that. I think we read that in uh, high school, maybe. Really? Yeah. Man, where'd you go high school? Maybe I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. I read it in college. Okay. Read it in college. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. No, not yeah, high school. So... No way. Oh dear. Oh dear. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That right. would be like, uh, yeah. What's on your reading list, <laughs> Junior? <laughs> that would be crossing. The I don't line. know if I went for the name Junior, but yeah, yeah that crossed the line with the school district <laughs> when they ban like Huckleberry Finn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, Catcher in a Rye. But did you know? Did you know? Like a mere eight years after, like. 
Lenny Bruce was like first arrested uh, in the 60s that George Carlin in the 70s was arrested at the Milwaukee uh, Summerfest for doing his seven words you can't say on television bit. No, but I bet I like no, arrested arrested. No, I mean like I bet, <laughs> but I bet I bet you could say the seven words right now. You know what I mean? It's just like we've decided there'd be some words we won't say all the time. And I was just trying to find out which words they were for sure. All of them. I wanted a list because nobody gives you a list. That's the problem. They don't give you a list. Wouldn't you think it'd be normal if they didn't want you to say something to tell you what it is? Nobody even tells you when you're a kid what the words are that you're supposed to avoid. You have to say them to find out which ones they are. Shit! <laughs> oh, fuck! <laughs> That's two. Oh, you know, he was arrested for disturbing the peace when, uh. he, when he performed that routine. Oh, here it is. Shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, <laughs> motherfucker, and tits. <laughs> and the whole point was, like, he was just pointing out how they're just, like, words. And it's yeah. just, like, how you give power to words which are just words, you right. know? And, or the, or you not give power, but, uh, you know, you make them forbidden and taboo yeah. of, uh, you know... I mean, to and go, that was the essence of the bit that and, would get him arrested. Yeah, and here's the interesting thing: to go back to one of our earlier episodes about uh, stealing, the history of stealing in comedy. Apparently, uh, Lenny Bruce used to do something along the same lines, almost exact same words he would use. But like Lenny Bruce ha- said nine words, and he got arrested for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so he I was guess, L- Lenny Bruce uh, added Supreme... ass. Sorry, just to say, Lenny Bruce added ass and balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So wait, I'm just reading this that uh, the Supreme Court issued uh, found that Carlin's performance was not obscene, uh, that it still could be banned from the airways because the government has a compelling interest in protecting children from inappropriate material. But that was like 1973 or something that he was arrested. He was in 1973. He was arrested. Yeah. But maybe it was like an outdoor sort of event. Yeah. But Milwaukee, man. Yeah. Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I guess it goes back into okay. So that was 1973. But in in 1993, uh, there was that legendary appearance of uh, Bill X getting his appearance on the Late Show with David Letterman pulled. What mm. what what do you know about that? Uh, that was it. That was interesting because that was like right kind of when I started getting into Bill Hicks and um, I knew about this mm-hmm. and I'd never seen him live. I had friends who'd opened up for him um, and mm-hmm. I watched a lot of his shows. But this is interesting because I didn't realize I wound up watching some uh, Bill Hicks in London bits. And I didn't realize mm-hmm. the stuff that he got banned from Letterman is like the stuff that he was saying on stage in in London, you know, which is like fine. The UK people were fine with it, yeah. But and it's does it it doesn't really seem all that offensive now, when you look when you look at the Bill Hicks bits. Yeah, was it was it the case where uh, he was supposed to do another set and then he ended up doing this set, or the case was they approved the material and then once it got film they just had second thoughts about it yeah i thought they'd filmed and they just decided to to pull it you know i thought that he'd gone through no because well i remember like so there's san francisco comedian will durst uh he was on letterman and he threw in a joke i can't even remember what the joke was uh in his letterman set and he never did letterman again because they proved like all the material he was supposed to do and then he threw in this line that wasn't approved. Mm-hmm. So I just wonder if it was a case like that where, the, you know, because they they make sure like every word is down, like when when you're doing like a stand-up set. Yeah, no, I think because from what I recall reading about it uh, was that he was he thought the set went well and he didn't know why they would have pulled it. And I I, huh. I I don't remember anything being. I mean, this could be a whole another episode. You know? Yeah. So that's where crossing the line is just like, yeah, I mean, that's just like pure censorship. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I think it was like a bunch of uh, like Jesus jokes. Yeah. Jesus mixed with uh, 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 a Kennedy assassination joke. Yeah. All in one joke. Yeah. That's 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 the stuff that, um, um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, I'd, all the stuff I'd seen like in the London show. And I was like, oh, this looks okay. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. So then, um, so that that's like plain censorship. What about like censorship, say, uh, um, 
like Charlie Hebdo and and, and the and, and and their uh you know attacks that occurred because of their Muslim cartoons. What do I think about it? <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, uh, should it be censorship or or uh, I mean, how how do you digest that? Yeah, I mean the the that whole the whole I know you have your own drama Hobbit joke insert insert uh, music here, but yeah I'm the I'm. You know, yeah, because it's it's a tough one because it's like there are people who are you know deliberately doing that to provo- to provoke mm. other. Yeah, then the, then you get in, but then you get into this this whole kind of your religion is crazier than mine. You know, then you know what mm. is what is religious freedom? You know. Yeah, I just like so. There's a YouTube video where it just shows all the Charlie Hebdo uh, Muslim cartoons and. I, again, I think that goes into play of what we were just talking about of the edgy comedy, you know, right. where they're doing rape jokes and they're going to get a reaction right. where, okay, they're going to get a reaction. So is the cartoon funny or is it just kind of just you're just pushing buttons? Oh, I read. And I, went, I mean, again, sorry, it's ahead. like, uh, you know, it's, it's a, you know, it's translated from French into English. So we don't really know the full translation, but I kind of thought the cartoons weren't. Even just on a face failure, that funny. Yeah, I was going to say. It's like, uh, okay, very edgy. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, I thought, because I remember looking at those going, yeah, this is just kind of, you know, dumb. Yeah, so again, it's like, uh, well, you know, you want to support free speech. But then again, that, the offshoot of that happened, if you look in the States, where in Garland, Texas, they held a Draw Mohammed contest. But that, I mean, that wasn't a public a, a, a cartoon magazine putting on a publication. That was just out of like we just want to show we hate Muslims. Right. Yeah. That's a little and really. Like, so it's yeah. like, yeah. yeah that's, that's like you know there wasn't any humor involved. It was just like, no, this is all about pushing buttons. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So, um, it crossed the line there. That we said crossed the line. Yeah. Was, and then. Right. Uh, it happened and people turned up and there was a shooting yeah, that, in Texas. There we go. <laughs> but then again, and this segues into something like when, when you cross the line as a part of like, like when a tragedy happens as a part of like the healing process. So what I did like was uh, the, the issue that Charlie Hebdo put out like after the attacks, uh, they showed a guy on the cover <laughs> and he's riddled with bullets He's drinking champagne, and, and out of all the bullet holes is um, flowing champagne right. instead of, like, blood. And then the translation is, they have weapons, screw them, we have champagne. That's good. Okay, it's coming together. Yeah, so, um, and that goes with uh, that classic issue of The Onion, like, right after 9-11. Do you remember that? Yeah, that was, that was, that was a good one. It was just, uh, basically, it was just, holy shit, was on the cover. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that, and it's just like life turns into a real life Jerry Bruckheimer yeah. movie. Yeah, that was, that was, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was it. Yeah. And then they, I think there was like uh, they showed the terrorists, and they went, uh, "Whoops, they just all ended up in hell" or something like that. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh... <laughs> so again, you could cons- you can consider that crossing the line, but uh, where does that fit? Uh, in with, with with as crossing line as 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 a benefit, a superhero of good. Yeah, kind of like I mean I think that one that it's it's like people have to start laughing again and maybe like especially mm-hmm. if something that horrible happens you gotta I mean you gotta make some kind of any joke about whatever just tragedy happened is gonna be kind of you're gonna be touching the line, you know. Yeah, yeah, and, and going along with that, there's that classic uh, Hugh Hefner roast that was on, like, right after 9-11, mm-hmm. and it, the, the mood was just, like, grim. Yeah. And it wasn't because, like, Rob Schneider was on stage just bombing, <laughs> which I heard. Oh, um, uh, and then Gilbert Godfrey, like, just kind of, like, cracked it open with, with his – this is, like, right after 9-11. He said, I, ha- I have to leave early tonight. I have a flight to California – I can't get a direct flight. They said I have to stop at the Empire State Building first. That's edgy. <laughs> edgy. Tonight I'm going to be using my Muslim name, Hajin Bin Laid. 
But then, like, just, again, he is, like, the tension was so thick, like, before that, and it was, like, he just, like, kind of cut it open, but still members of the audience were, like, and, and, and it's now cliche now, but someone just uh, yelled out, too soon. Yeah, oh, no, no, too, too soon is always good. That's kind of, like, those whole roast things are kind of weird, you know? I mean, I, I guess here you could touch it's on It's like, it. be as mean as possible? Yeah, and, but then, like, they, well, I yeah. think I think recording them kind of, like, uh, <clears throat> dilutes it a little bit, too, because it's like, then you don't, you don't want that stuff recorded, you know? It's like the whole, um, remember the Ted Dance and Whoopi Goldberg thing? Yeah, the Friars Club. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think that was like recorded, but I, they snapped photos. Yeah, yeah, that was before the internet. And that was pre-social media. Yeah, so exactly. That's like, and that still went like viral. Yeah. In a way you do before there's social media. Yeah. So was he crossing the line there? Did, did Ted from Cheers? Um. Again, you don't know unless you're there the context of that. But uh, uh, and on Facebook, I mean, he was dating Whoopi. Yeah, he was at the, time. at the time. So. Yeah, I mean, that's true. It's like you don't know unless you're there. But on the same note of when those roasts was um, – there's that dude from Jackass that, that like, died in a car accident. Right, right. Uh, and Amy Schumer was on stage, and uh, Steve-O from Jackass was in the audience. And she just did some joke where I think – I'm just paraphrasing. Yeah. So uh, the point being is, is, like, she was just saying that it should have been Steve-O who – Tied in the car yeah. accident. Yeah. I'm, par- I'm par- But I truly am, no joke, sorry for the loss of your friend Ryan Dunn. I know you must have been thinking it could have been me, and I know we were all thinking, why well, wasn't it? <laughs> um, I'm, par- I'm paraphrasing the right. joke, but that was the essence of the joke. And, it, you know, on, on one level, that's that guy's friend, you know? Yeah. It's right. like, yeah, sure, you're celebrities, but it's still, like, your friend. It doesn't matter if he's famous or not, and your friend just, like, died horrifically yeah oh, man. <laughs> but then it's getting that all those roaster about like oh edgy i'm crossing the line yeah well that's a good that's a good uh i believe we talked about miss schumer in our stealing comedy episode didn't we history of stealing comedy <laughs> we did <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> you gotta tie but, it. Uh, you gotta tie back yeah and then and another like just go like uh back to gilbert for a moment was that big controversy when uh, it was a tsunami in Japan, and he was uh, Gilbert was the Affleck duck right, voice yeah. at the time. Affleck, and, he, and again, it's like uh, the being okay, yeah, uh, you know, being edgy on Twitter, mm-hmm. where you know we've read the public, the the John Ronson book of how right, just yeah. people's lives have been destroyed by stuff they posted on Twitter, and yeah. I'm not talking about Donald Trump. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But these are, okay, so these are actually funny jokes. Like, uh, I think it was like, what what, what do Japanese Jews eat? A Hebrew national tsunami. (laughs) It's just a silly joke. Like a Hebrew national salami. Oh, tsunami. All right. Yeah, okay. But, um, like, Gilbert was on uh, uh, the WTF thing, and then uh, when, when, like the press picked up on, you know, that he was got fired from Affleck Duck and was making tsunami jokes. They would, they would, like, all the stories would say uh, the statements that Gilbert Godfrey made on Twitter. They would preface it like that. They uh-huh. wouldn't say the jokes he right. made on Twitter. They would go like he's just making these horrific statements. Yeah. No. I mean, that's. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's the thing about, like, because, you know, people don't realize, like, I didn't realize people, but, like, yeah, because a lot of comedians will, like, do that and just, like, tweet out their jokes that way. Yeah. Yeah, but they're, 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 like, the press was picking up, like, he was just, like, you know, he's making these statements. Right, yeah, no, but they're, like, you know, jokes. (laughs) They're not saying that, they're jokes. So the governor was just, like, they're, they're, they're jokes. It's just, like... It was just being like, you know, they're just like spinning it like he's just like a horrible man just throwing out, you know. He should have put a, <laughs> he should have put like a smiley face after it. That's what you, or like the, the emoticon with a wink. Oh, yeah, the that's, emoticon. That's what you Yeah, there, there you go. That's, that's a little tip <laughs> tip for the comedians tweeting, tweeting edgy on the line jokes out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, 
oh, this is we we did a video on this when 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 you cross the line, that's like completely punching down. So, um, and again, where it's not about social change, but then again, I think it's about like, uh, you know, so we we did that video on uh, the Andrew Dice Clay bit that we found, and and then also touching on like Eddie Murphy in uh, Delirious, like and both like really homophobic bits uh where, where they're like they're they're just audiences are rolling over you know at like you know aids jokes right brooklyn we don't have any gay people they're all dead <laughs> <laughs> all we got is a big sign that says welcome to brooklyn fourth largest city in america with this dead fag hanging off the pole it wasn't just andrew making these horrible jokes it's like the the audience laughing yeah, so his 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 thing was like I'm doing a character, I'm doing yeah. a Brooklyn character. Yeah. But the whole point is like his audience isn't looking at it as a character. His audience is going, yeah. Yeah, I know, I know. I hate gay people too. So have you have you, you seen, know? Have, and even like, have you seen any characters like that in Brooklyn, like Dice Clay? Uh, no, no. Okay. And that's another thing, like uh, Trump and Moosh. Uh, that really bugs me when they try to defend like uh, their words and actions. They go, well, we're from New York. That's how we talk in New York. <laughs> it's like, no, I live in New York. I've never heard anyone talk like that. Maybe if they're a Goldman Sachs douchebag, that's how they talk. Uh, yeah. New Yorkers don't really talk like that. Okay. You know? Yeah. All right. But again, you know, it's, it's like, uh, again, just different era where, you know, audiences thought that was like hilarious. Yeah, I, I, that was, yeah, it's something else. <laughs> but then they go, you can go in modern times, too, where, um, God, you know, Ricky Gervais used to be so fucking funny. Mm -hmm. And now I think he's just, like, jumped the shark by being simply Ricky Gervais. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. what what has he done funny? But there, there's a big, like, he's crossed the line when he was hosting the Golden Globe Awards where he was just making fun of people's careers and shit like that. But again, it's 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 lame that he isn't crossing the line because he's richer than all the people he's making fun of. So it's like this, you know, this prince, uh, uh, you know, punching down at, at, at the people that are below him. Hello and welcome to the 67th annual Golden Globe Awards, live from Los Angeles. I'm Ricky Gervais. Um, thank you. You, uh, you probably know me as the creator of The Office. <laughs> no, you don't, do you? You think Steve Carell, did you? Oh, he's brilliant, isn't he, Steve Carell? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I just, uh, it's back to that, uh, like, the Oscars and the Golden Globes thing. They're always going to get somebody who's like, ooh, I'm crossing the line, I'm edgy, and it's just, I don't know, those shows are always just so lame. There's nothing they can do to fix them. So, again, in tying into that, uh, I don't know how this segues in, but in Canada, there is a comedian named Mike Ward who was fined $42,000 for making fun of a kid with disability. Now, I, I'm sure you've seen this guy's poster. I think yeah. he was at Edinburgh last year. Okay. Did you see a poster of a comedian? And he has like a muzzle on his face. Like, oh my God, he's, we, he, he says, you know, such edgy stuff. We have to put a muzzle on him. Yeah. But then, I mean, again, that goes with the thing that, okay, you're punching down there. You're making fun of a kid with disability. You're the one who has the power there. And part of the thing was like when that joke, you know, he did that joke, like uh, maybe it was on a Canadian TV show. The kid, like, you know, he, he was, like, bullied after that, you know? So his dream went to sing for the pub. And he, they made that shit come true. He got a dream, fucking went and sang, and went to Rome, went to the Vatican, sang for the Pope, and it was fucking horrible. It was the... And, it, it, and it's not his fault. He's deaf, so of course... It's gonna be horrible. You can't sing well if you're deaf because you can't even practice. You can't. It is like ah, ha, ha, that famous Canadian comedian. We heard him making fun of you. Oh man. Okay. Yeah, that's not cool. That's yeah. Not, it's that's, like horrible, but that, it isn't just like yeah. I would say you cross the line. Well, again, it's just like you're cr crossing the line when you are, uh, you know, again, it's the difference between comedy and tragedy. Mm -hmm. When you're, I, 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 and you, why don't you tally 
the amount of times I've said punching down during this <laughs> podcast. Maybe we can. Like, I know because I was just about to say punching down. I wish there was like another way. That's a, you know, that's a good one. I mean, say it. I mean, this was like another one that uh, I think I just I, I just remembered and wanted to, to kind of touch on that here, where it's bad. I think this is, might have been a bad crossing line, or is it? Was yeah. do, do you remember why uh, Eddie Murphy never showed up on Saturday Night Live for what was it, twenty or thirty years? Yeah, it was David Spade's joke. Yeah, Dave, David Spade's <laughs> joke about a falling star. Look, children, it's a falling star. Make a wish. That's right. You make a Hollywood Minute omelet, he breaks some eggs. But then, you know, you're in the house that he built. You yeah. know, he is one of the. He pretty much saved that show right, during that shitty year when it was just him and Joe Piscopo and a bunch of other people. Yeah, we should do. We should do. We need to do. An so you know, I I think. Oh, on the shittiest year. On the shittiest year of That's a whole yeah. that's a whole episode, dude. <laughs> Oh, I wonder if you could get that whole season, like, somewhere. Oh, yeah. Or they just, like, shelve it. Nah, I bet it's out there. Yeah, the whole season, man. Well, no, there's, like, episodes of Saturday Night Live with O.J. Simpson hosting. No way, really? And they shelve that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, this is all – all right, man. So we got, we, got, we got fodder for more episodes. Yeah. So I think a good way to wrap up is uh, maybe let's talk about, like, some of our favorite moments of uh, comedians – crossing the line where it's just like they're just like right on target and uh and their their satire is intact but yet it would be considered uh crossing the line uh to me i i think it's like when stephen colbert hosted the the white house correspondence dinner (laughs) and he like two people away from him is uh, George W. Bush, mm-hmm. and he didn't like pull any punches, and he was like saying, "I mean, again, that's the beauty of like when Colbert was on uh, Comedy Central because it's like he's doing a conservative character, right? Yeah. So he would get like, like, I, yeah. I was listening to this podcast on satire, and it's like part of like Colbert's audience didn't know right. he was doing satire. Right. <laughs> And, and just the beauty of like just doing these, uh, just ripping into George W. Bush of all the jokes we would want to do if, 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 if given the free range. I stand by this man. I stand by this man because he stands for things. Not only for things, he stands on things. Things like aircraft carriers and rubble and recently flooded city squares. And that sends a strong message that no matter what happens to America, she will always rebound with the most powerfully staged photo ops in the world. I just saw some picture of this up on the internet today or somewhere. I mean, it's just like there's things that we all know that are true, but people don't want to talk about them, is that, you know, the dude's a war criminal, and he was a president. And, you know, there's a picture of him. He likes to paint pictures of, like, puppies now. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. it's just like, okay, here's the deal. You lie. As everyone knows this. There's no debating this fact. You said they mm-hmm. had weapons of destruction. They didn't. You right. lied. Thousands of people died because of that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's called a war crime. Yeah. And everybody's like, oh, right. you're, good. you're still going to get your library and, and be your respected, you know, president and... Yeah, crossing the line. Well, how how are you gonna feel when Trump gets his library? Oh my God, I don't want to talk about. That. Are, are they gonna are, are they gonna are, are they gonna put his library in Trump University? Oh my God, I hope so, dude. <laughs> <laughs> where, where is the Trump University campus? Oh God, where was it ever? Okay. <laughs> this is fraud, dude. He how much did he pay out? Like in, he he just paid a bunch. Bunch of money to make it go away. I know, yeah, de- definitely. Rather than like being dug through the dirt, like all the fucking shady details. Oh my god, dude. <laughs> I know it's just it's just we're 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 living in crazy times. Oh man, it's the Trump Initiative now, by the way. The Trump entrepreneur. What's that? It's the Trump Entrepreneur and Initiative. It's no longer Trump University. Oh, he he rebranded. Yeah, I think so. It looks like man. <laughs> What a shady fucker, man. I know, dude. But I think, I think uh, yeah, another one of my favorite uh, crossing line moments was, uh, did you watch Chris Rock, uh, his Oscar monologue, which I think was like from last year or from two years year. ago? Yes, I watched it about 
30 minutes ago. I'm sure there were no black nominees some of those years, say 62 or 63, and black people did not protest. Why? Because we had real things to protest at the time. <laughs> you know? You know, it's too busy being raped and lynched to care about who won best cinematographer. That is probably, that is the best like Oscar monologue I've ever heard. Like his jokes were just like hitting so hard. Yeah, I mean, like I really like Chris Rock. I think he's great. It's just uh, yeah, uh, it's just Oscar people making fun of themselves. I mean, it's just uh... no, no, no. He was just he was making fun of just the whole yeah, but they know, still social yeah, system. But they still had him on stage and allowed him to do that. You know, I mean, so they're like kind of policing themselves. Well, the point being is that it, it, normally that type of monologue wouldn't fly, and they they let him do the monologue that he wanted to do. Like, uh, like he's just like, one of his jokes was the in memorial section, uh, is just a montage of black people shot by cops on the way to movies. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and then, and then he's like, he's gone like, okay, uh, the Oscars has been going for 82 years. There's been, so that means there's been 71 years without black people being yeah. nominated for yeah. awards. Yeah. And it's like in back in the sixties, you know, your grandmother's hanging from a tree. You didn't have time to worry about who won best documentary for foreign short. Yeah, I know. I know, I know. It was it, it was good. Yeah, it's just I don't know. I'm always I'm always. Well, I think it goes back to like what we're saying about you know comedy as a tool for social change by crossing the line. Right, but it, I would say that wasn't that was like my point would be that was. Um, uh, the man, or what, I don't want to say the man. I want to say the academy allowed that line to be crossed because they knew if they didn't say something about it, there it was going to get right. Worse. It was going to get even worse. So it was, it's kind of like that. That here's here we can blow off some steam and like get a little pressure off of ourselves, you know, rather than somebody coming in like totally from the outside. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I still respect. Yeah, Chris, but Chris Rock is great. You know, yeah, I still respect him. Oh, but I think it was like the best, like just on target uh, monologue. It there's well, been in the Oscars. Well, yeah, because all of them, because they're all shit. <laughs> they're all shit. They're all like I, I watched a little bit of the Jimmy Kimmel one. And it's just you know, it's people up there making fun of each other, and it's like, do we really? Chris Rock's the only one he did that was somewhat different. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's why. That's what I'm saying is like the best Oscar monologue. You know, yeah. Just... <laughs> It hit hard, and it's like crossing the line. You're not Ricky Gervais, millionaire Ricky Gervais, making fun of other millionaires right. who make less money than yeah, him. Yeah, I mean he actually and was... complaining about how their careers suck. Yeah, no, he was actually saying something. Chris yeah, Marcus, yeah, yeah. He's just making. He was very social relevant in, in making valid points, and the jokes were just funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll go with that. Yeah, and you, you put Dave Chappelle's show here. I did, yeah, because I was going to say, dude, that's crossing the line. I thought that was a really funny way to do it. He, Mr. Chappelle had some classic skits on his show from uh, Comedy Central that I would say they crossed the line, but along with the Chris Rock thing, they kind of crossed it and kind of made people start talking about comedy and social issues again. Yeah, but that was also the downfall of the Chappelle show, which made him quit because uh, I think he was like playing some like, you know, like stereotype character to make a social point. But then he started seeing people seeing it on the face value of of, of, and not seeing it as a satirical value. And then he just like that's what made him quit. Yeah. Yeah. So he crossed the line and then he went back over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, in, in conclusion, uh, I think, well, I think my favorite crossed the line, but let's determine the result, was when Obama, I, I think it was at the White House Correspondents' Dinner, had Trump in the audience and just had those Trump jokes about oh, yeah. what if Trump became president. <laughs> it yeah, just no. shows like 
big Trump over the White House, and he was just again just killing it, and because no one thought that would ever happen, and it did, and now he's trying to destroy his entire legacy. <laughs> so yeah, there you have it. So you cross the line, you have to pay the price, and Obama's price is Trump is now living in his house. Yeah, <laughs> oh, trying to destroy all his policies. <laughs> and that is, that is so. In conclusion, dude, what, what's your whole takeaway from uh, you know comedy that crosses, crosses the, line? the line? I think if you're gonna cross the line, know where your destination's gonna be. That's good. Yeah. So going back to where we started this conversation is Kathy Griffin didn't know where her destination no, was going to be. No idea. She just, she didn't, you know, didn't think it through and, it, and just, yeah. And couldn't back up her actions no, and man. just, yeah. Took it as like, Oh, they're just trying to destroy me. Yeah. She saw which the, made it all about her. She and, thought the grass yeah. was going to be greener on the other side of the line. And she got there and she found out. It wasn't. It was just bloody. Yep. There you go. So, anyways, uh, that that wraps up comedy that crosses the line here at uh, Comedy History 101. So, do you have anything you want to plug at all? Well, I think you're really the the plug away guy here because what have you got coming up this month? Oh, okay. So, two things we have coming up this month. Uh, uh, starting on August 4th or August 5th, you can see me every night at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival at the Banshee Lab, 9 p.m., where I'll be doing my show that crosses the line with the edgy comedy, uh, Harmon Leon Infiltrates Trump America. Okay. So, what happens? Are you going to know, like, if you cross the line too much or what's going to happen? We don't know. <laughs> no, I know, I know. So it, it, it's a show that crosses the line. Okay, all right, fair, fair enough. And um, yeah, uh, where else can we see you during the first? Oh my God! So this podcast, this one right here, we're actually doing a uh, a live podcast at the Edinburgh Festival. I believe it's the last Sunday of the festival at maybe five p.m. We'll we'll put the details up on the website, but. Uh, yeah, and we'll be doing, which is very applicable, a comedy history of the Edinburgh Festival. Awesome. Like, yes. uh, the, the rich history that's brought, like, Dud, from, like, Dudley Moore, and Peter, Peter Cook. Cook, all the way up to, like, and, and beyond, like, you know, Steve Coogan, you know, all the greats of, and Bill Mr. Hicks, I Mr. think, Bean. did the festival. Yeah, Mr. Bean. Yeah. Ricky, <laughs> so, Ricky pretty Dre. much everyone who's, like, famous in, uh, British comedy has mm -hmm. done the Edinburgh Festival. Yep. So we'll we'll talk about it, and we might even get some um, Edinburgh uh, celebrities on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we're hoping for. Okay. In our forty-five minute slot. Okay. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. So that's it for now. Uh, be sure to check us out on iTunes. Uh, uh, Make some comments and donate. Donate. We want to thank all the people that donated to the podcast. Oh, yeah. So thank nice you. Of you. Thanks. It helps keep this podcast going. And we want more of you. Just just donate away. Help us make more episodes of Comedy History 101 and, and uh, share your comments. All right. Excellent. And that's you can see that. You can download all these episodes on our website, www.wordsoverchair.com. That's our new production website. Easy to remember. Not as hard as the last one. Actually, if you still go to um, <laughs> right-click save, I think it will redirect you for another week maybe. But uh, it's wordsoverchair.com. Easy to remember. That's where you can get all our episodes. We've got uh, Common History 101 there. And um, also we'll soon be having This is the President. We'll be moving, migrating over to there as well. But as always, as we said, as Harmon said, you can find us on iTunes. And please rate us and leave a comment if you so desire. Yep, and thank you very much, and we will talk to you next time. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Good thing about doing comedy in Russia, you have captured the audience. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Comedy History 101.